0: I'm T-News and I know it. Welcome to the T-News podcast. I have my friend Amy, who is a Tupac expert (laughs) with me in the studio. And today we're going to be doing a deep dive into uh, Tupac's life, very famous rapper that we both love. So, Amy, take it away.
1: Okay, so probably... Not much needs explaining Like he's pretty well known Yes Yes. He probably hands down my favourite rapper Yes In terms of the quality And Mm. just the longevity of Mm. the songs that he's produced Mm. Long after his death Are still popular for me at least Mm. (laughs) Definitely Um, So you probably know a lot about him already I felt like I did Mm. Until I started to look deeper Yes Um, There's lots of movies out at the moment A few documentaries about his life Yes Which is so interesting He's Mm. just such an interesting guy was the representative of the West Coast in the East Coast West Coast battle mm. but was actually born in New York. Oh wow surprised me yes. I wasn't really aware of that So he was born in Harlem, grew up in Harlem 1971 he was born and he actually was born. LaShane Parish Crooks. Oh wow. I never knew that. Yeah, LaShane Parish Crooks. Wow. When he was 1, his mother renamed him Tupac Amaru II.
0: Okay.
1: Um by which stage he had a stepfather. So His mother, Afini, was a Black Panther Party member, so she was very active in that community. Yes. And just a month after he was born, she was acquitted of more than 150 charges of conspiracy against the United States. So that's a big charge. That is a huge charge. That's really serious. Yeah. Um, And obviously she was going through those trials when she was heavily pregnant. Mm. I don't believe she spent any time in jail, from what I can see. But his father... A guy called Billy Garland was also a member of the Black Panther Party. And from what I can understand, didn't really have too much to do with him growing up. Yeah, Maybe sort of here and there. But it sounds like he was very close to his stepfather. Okay. A guy called Mutulu Shakur, who I think was also very active in that. Black Panther sort of scene, the activism. So they were scene, like the quite activists, yeah. Yeah, just mm. obviously in the civil rights mm, mm. in New York at that time, mm. the early 70s, was sort of rampant. Yes. So when Tupac was, what was that, 1986, he moved, the whole family moved from New York to Baltimore. Oh,
0: Baltimore, yes. he was
1: 15 years old. So he attended the Baltimore School for the Arts and studied acting, poetry, jazz and ballet. Oh, Wow in which he performed in lots of Shakespearean plays and in The Nutcracker. Oh, wow. Surprising? Yeah. Shocking. I did sort of know he liked Shakespeare, Mm, um, but The the Nutcracker. The ballet. (laughs) I was floored. Go Tupac. Go Tupac. And it was here we found out recently just from watching these movies that he actually developed a close relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes, yes. They were really good friends. Yes, and he had written these songs and poems about her and his love for her I feel like it wasn't reciprocated. Mm. Maybe she didn't feel as strongly about him. She's come out since and said that their relationship wasn't portrayed in those movies as she remembers it. But nonetheless, that they were very good friends. Yes,
0: yeah, so it looked like very strong plutonic love.
1: Yeah, mm. which is so nice and so sort of nice. such a shame that you know his life ended like it did when yeah. he had such a strong friend in her mm. that maybe it could have been something else. Yeah. Anyway, so he moves to... Baltimore, age 15, and then just two years later moved to L.A. to pursue his rap career. So obviously knew at that young age he wanted to be a rapper yeah, and that L.A. was the place to do it. Obviously, having moved, already decided to move to L.A., I'm pretty sure with his family. I think his family still supported him and moved to L.A. at the same time. I
0: don't think much was going on in Baltimore
1: at the time. Yeah, not Mm. in the rap scene. No. (laughs) (laughs) used his rap career in 1993, so he's still young here. Mm. He's still, what, in his early 20s. By all accounts, he was a hot-headed guy. Yes. Felt very strongly about his roots, his African-American roots. Yes. Felt very oppressed by the police and wasn't going to take it sitting down. Yes. Often found himself... In these sort of altercations with the police. Yes. Um, and sort of getting himself in trouble. And that comes from his parents as well. That's right. Mm. Obviously, having those strong role models mm. from such a young age has given him that sort of background to stand up for what you believe in, which, you know, fair play to him. Exactly. But unfortunately it did land him in a bit of hot water. So his first major sort of run-in with the law, and we did see it, I think, depicted in what's the movie? All Eyes on Me. All Eyes on Me. On Netflix, really good watch, Mm. where he's signing autographs after a festival and some sort of altercation occurs. He drew his gun, dropped it. Someone else in his entourage picked it up and during that sort of scuffle, a bullet was discharged and hit a six-year-old boy in the head, killing him instantly. This little boy died. Horrific, obviously. Mm. But it was but, obviously
0: an accident. Yeah,
1: it was an accident and no one could pinpoint who was handling the gun at the time. So there wasn't en- enough evidence to prosecute anyone.
0: From what we know of Tupac, he would never have done that on on purpose. Never. Fr-
1: mm. I From what I can sort of understand, he was horrified. Mm. And because no one was prosecuted for it, the little boy's family brought a civil suit, a wrongful death lawsuit against Tupac because it was his gun. Mm. And I think probably because... They felt hard done by that no one was brought to justice about it. So in America, it seems quite common to go this route to bring that civil lawsuit. Tupac, obviously feeling the way he did, agreed to pay a settlement of around $300,000 to the family, Mm. which is sort of admirable in a way. He wasn't necessarily in the wrong, although he was obviously responsible for his weapon. Yes. So that was the sort of first brush with the law in a major way. Almost a year later, he's charged with a felony assault for attempting to hit another rapper with a baseball bat. Plead guilty to that, served 30 days. Later that year, he was involved in an incident with two drunk off-duty police officers. So he was in a car driving along and he almost hit these two drunk officers they argued. A fight broke out. <laughs> he shot one of them in the butt. Oh my god! And the other one in the back. And ultimately, one of the officers was charged with firing at Tupac's car, and Tupac was charged with the shooting. But obviously because the officers were intoxicated and there wasn't sort of clear witness statements, all of the charges were dropped against oh, wow. both parties. So who's never actually charged for that incident I guess both, both were in the wrong. <laughs> That's right. But typically yeah. American, let's just mm. drop it and forget about it. And then only a month later, most of us who were sort of old enough at the time might remember this. So Tupac's in his hotel room. I think he's obviously pretty... Well, known by the stage. Mm. He's performing. Mm. I think he'd released an album or two by then. He invites a woman back to his hotel room where they had consensual sex. But she later alleges that she was raped by him and by other members of his entourage. So she goes ahead and... And files charges. Files charges. Sort of alleges that he's done these things. So tricky in those
0: situations because, you know, these women do throw themselves, these groupies, do throw themselves at them. And then some of them... Think to themselves, oh, there might be a bit of money to be made here, Mm. so let's, you know, see what I can get out of him. Yeah, that's right. So you never quite know. Totally, and it must Mm. happen
1: all the time. Mm. And I think from what the movie sort of depicted, she was, maybe he knocked her back. Yeah. Like she wanted to see him again, and I think he said he didn't want to, he wasn't interested So it's made her her seem like, yeah, Mm. her ego was a bit bruised. And maybe that's where this all come from. Obviously, incredibly serious charges. Yes. Not something that's going to be dropped, Mm -hmm. you know, by lack of evidence. Mm. So it gets a bit tricky. So this is November. We're talking about November 1993 that this incident actually happened. The trial goes on for ages. There's a lot of evidence collecting. Mm. There's a lot of, you know, back and forth, pre-trial hearings and all this kind of thing. He doesn't actually stand trial until... A year later. So this yeah. whole thing's taken a year. And the night before, the verdict's about to come through. is probably one of the most significant nights in his life. So the night before the verdict hearing, he was robbed and shot five times by three men in the lobby of the Quad Recording Studios in Manhattan. So he's in New York at this yes, stage. I remember that well. Yes, mm. because it's so unfortunately significant into the events which ultimately led to his death. So this is where it all started.
0: And it's also like stuck in my head because (laughs) who can survive being shot that many times? I mean, it's actually a miracle
1: that he survived that. That's right. So for anyone who doesn't know the story, the significance of it is Tupac is walking into the recording studio where apparently unbeknownst to him, Biggie Smalls is recording upstairs. So Biggie Smalls is there with members of his entourage. And it wouldn't
0: have been too shocking at the time
1: because they were friends. Yeah, they would have just been like, yeah. A major feud Mm -hmm. then. Biggie's entourage, Lil Caesar, still testifies to this day that he saw Tupac walking and invited him up. He yelled out to him and said come on up we're we're up here Mm. so Tupac walks in obviously voluntarily and then is robbed and shot five times by three men and people who were witness to this event recall that Tupac's on the stretcher after having been shot, giving the finger to everyone around him and just basically being belligerent about it all. I think beginning to conclude that bad boy records and the notorious B.I.G. had something to do with it. Yeah. I think he was robbed. They took maybe a ring and some Yeah, other he would have things, had quite a bit of jewellery on him. But I think him. they didn't take his wallet or there's something significant about that. Anyway, so he goes into hospital this night, shot five times. His verdict is due to come in and court the next day. Yes. Because he is this belligerent kind of guy, he's rushed to hospital, has surgery on his wounds. Three hours later, he checks himself out of hospital. Wow. The next day, he shows up to his verdict hearing All in a wheelchair. They yeah. have to wheel him in to hear his verdict, which most of us know was guilty on a lot of counts. So he begins serving his sentence a few months um, after that verdict comes in. In America, I think you have to hand yourself in. You get, obviously, a bit of downtime to sort your life out. And then he began serving his sentence early 1995. Obviously, in the time that he had off, he recorded quite a few songs. (laughs) As soon as he gets into prison, Mm. his record labels start releasing all these songs. Yes. So he's so incredibly popular. That is, prison time didn't really seem to affect. And he probably would have been writing a lot in,
0: in prison, wouldn't he? Because yeah, he's, he was that he kind was. of artist and poet and all that, that he just couldn't stop. That's right. So a he, lot of material would have been. Yeah,
1: yeah a lot of material. And he, a lot of people close to him say that he was a changed man. The mm. prison really, truly changed him, mm. changed his soul. I think he was a lot harder, a lot more aggressive when he came out. Mm. He also got married in prison. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he had a long-time girlfriend when when he went in, a girl called Keisha Morris, and married her in April while serving his sentence. Wow. Just a footnote, they did divorce a year later. <laughs> so he obviously, you know, it wasn't, I think he went on to say that they got married for the wrong reasons. Yes. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> um, a lot of conjugal visits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so while he's in prison, he is... I'm just trying to think how long he was sentenced for. I think he served, ended up serving about nine months. And during those nine months, Suge Knight yes. visits him in prison. Oh, so for well, anyone Shug who Knight. doesn't know who Suge Knight is... Is the owner of Death Row Records, the mm. manager. He runs the show at mm. Death Row Records, an incredibly popular record company in the L.A. hip-hop scene at the time. He
0: was a really good businessman because he just had, like, the gift of
1: the gab. The gift of the gab mm-hmm. and lots of promises and lots of money. Mm-hmm. So he approaches Tupac in prison and says to him, The company will pay your bail if you come and sign with us. You can appeal your sentence, we'll give you $1.4 million so you can get out of prison and start making some records for us. So Tuvag, of course, took the deal. Yeah. Sure thing. Mm. You know, get me out of here. However, just before he was released, Notorious B.I.G. releases a song, and we've touched on this in our last podcast, Who Shot Shot You? You. A very critical song Mm. in terms of the events which sort of unfolded. This song contained lyrics like "bad boys behind this." It was Biggie maintained for the rest of his life that that song was recorded before Tupac was shot. He never, ever, to this day, yeah, that Mm. it was anything to do with. However, the company chose to still go ahead and release it after the events happened, which was so stupid on their behalf. Yeah, it was. It was stupid. I guess they were thinking it's a moneymaker. And it, haha, like it's relevant, Mm. even though maybe that wasn't its intention. So this really, because everyone's saying Tupac's this changed man, he's a lot harder, he hears the song, and he's apoplectic. Yes. He can't believe that... They're basically admitting to shooting him. Yeah, and sort of like making a mockery of it. Making a mockery of it, Mm. making fun of him. Mm. And he's understandably livid about the whole thing. So this is the real, we're really getting into the nitty gritty of the beef, of the feud here. This is East Coast versus West Coast. So Tupac signed with Death Row in LA. Biggie signed with Bad Boy in New York. So this is where the feud really kicks off. And maybe we'll go into that. Yes, we'll in a go bit. into that. In so a... that's Tupac. Interesting guy. Incredibly interesting guy in his short life. 25 years old he lived. And just so many things sort of happened to him. I know. Such Incredibly a... talented. And we're so unfortunate that we didn't get to keep hearing what I he know. was capable of.
0: It would have been amazing to just see what he Came could up have with produced. Came up with much like Biggie. Much like Biggie. Yeah. Our next podcast will go into a deep dive between the feud of these two rappers and we will get to the bottom of this, hopefully.